Before we start, I have a quick word from this episode's sponsor. The University of Nevada, Las Vegas invites artists to apply for the Fall 2024 Masters of Fine Arts program in art. UNLV's three-year fully funded program with an emphasis on creative practice offers 24-hour access to private studios, graduate assistantship funding, and opportunities to engage with a dynamic roster of visiting artists, all within the unique context of Las Vegas. We welcome artists from diverse backgrounds who want to participate in the dialogues within contemporary art and culture through art making and exhibition to apply by February 1st, 2024. Visit unlv.edu slash art to learn more. Hey everyone, welcome to Seeing Color, a podcast that talks with cultural workers and artists of color in order to expand the area of what is a predominantly white space in the arts. I'm your host, Ziwon Chung. Hey everyone, I hope you're doing well wherever you are. This week, I have Nanda Sharif Poor, a multidisciplinary artist residing and working in Las Vegas, Nevada. Nanda holds a BA in graphic design and two MFA degrees, one from Azad University of Art and Architecture in Tehran, Iran, and the other from the University of Nevada, Las Vegas. Nanda's practice encompasses sculpture, video, and installations that explores the relationship between the modern human and nature. In our discussion, we hear Nanda's story of coming to the U.S. from Iran, thinking about the memories that live within us and how plants bring peace and joy to our lives. As always, stay safe and healthy, and I hope you enjoy this. And uh, I did some plant works. They usually bring me peace. Yeah, I saw that article online that was kind of looking at all the different plants that you have in your space. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I was looking over all the different things that you've done. And I mm-hmm. guess one place that I wanted to start with is I saw that you got a BA in graphic design and then you also got two MFAs. I'm curious what prompted you to get two different MFAs. You got one first in Tehran, Iran, uh-huh. and then one at UNLV, University of Nevada, Las Vegas. So, okay, let me start with when I started my art education in general. So I've always been interested in art, but in a sense of like traditional art when I was younger. So I've always like attended drawing and painting classes when I was uh, back in middle school and high school. Mm-hmm. And then when it came going to college, I decided to follow art like more seriously. But interestingly, I mean, there is some kind of like belief still going around that you cannot pay your bills by being an artist. So instead of like majoring in painting or like fine arts, I was kind of pushed by not just one person, just in general, like by my, by, by people around me. Yeah. Pushed into graphic design. Oh, really? They thought that, okay, it's kind of like artsy enough, but then you can also like find a job and pay your bills. And that was a mistake (sighs) because I was not a graphic design person. Like, uh, 
I did not enjoy many aspects of it. Uh-huh. But the good thing was that like when you go to graphic design back in Iran, they make you attend a lot of like hands-on art classes. So it's not you just like sitting in front of a computer, like designing logos and stuff. It's like hands-on. Mm. So we had like, drawing, like sculpture classes, sketching. drawing classes. Yes. Yeah. Printing, printmaking classes. Mm. And I was like enjoying that part of it. Mm. But when I graduated, I never felt like, oh, I want a graphic design job like a nine-to-five type of job. So I did not follow it in that sense. A while passed and like there was a year gap and I decided to continue my education. And between the majors that I had available, I felt like, okay, so illustration would be like more hands-on art, fine arts related, instead of like getting another like master's in graphic design. So I Mm. uh, majored in fine art illustration. And actually, that was the time that I met my husband. We were in the same class, and mm-hmm. he was attending same college, same major, mm-hmm. we had same classes. Mm-hmm. So we met, and we continued afterwards. Everything was together. So when I got to U.S., my perspective changed a lot. Like, not not right when I got here. It was kind of like it was a process, and it was changing But I got to the point that I felt like, oh, so I want to continue my education so I can update myself and broaden my perspective. And, you know, I wanted to be more involved in contemporary art. I did not want to be just uh, limited to traditional forms of art because I had like years of practice and I knew that part well. Yeah, yeah. But I wanted more. Yeah. So my husband was kind of like the same on the same page. So we decided to join the program. So that that's the story of my second MFA. Yeah. All right. I guess I had a few more questions about that. So as you said, you, you were born in Tehran. Is that correct? Correct. I guess I'm curious. It seemed like your family and people were pushing you to go into graphic design. I guess I'm curious, is, is art kind of seen similarly? I guess, are the attitudes towards art same? And what do you think the art scene is like there that is different from here? So there has been a lot of changes in the recent years. And I haven't been there for like 14, Mm -hmm. maybe 15 years. And in this 15 years, it has changed a lot. Like if I go back, I think I will be surprised by how much it has changed the art scene Mm. and the society in general. And I think that the young generation and also the way that they're connected to the, you know, rest of the world through internet has had a big role playing in that change. So I cannot really talk about these recent years, but if I want to talk a little bit about the time that I was a student. So I was also a student in Tehran that uh, was the capital city. And I think that back then it was like mostly things were happening in the capital city. You know, there were here things like here and there happening in other cities as well. But the major events and major happenings, major venues, everything was in Tehran. I think that, you know, in general, like the generation of younger people that were in art field from you know, acting to music to architecture because our school was like art and architecture. Yeah. To like painting or what it, it was kind of like we were all in the same boat of being in the art field. And I think that they were all kind of like 
trying to bring something new to the society and make some changes, make some like fundamental changes. But we have to keep that in mind that it was not easy. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in, in a lot of countries, maybe younger generation decides that they want to do something and then there are like opportunities or like there are ways that they're encouraged to pursue their passion yeah. and make that change happen. Yeah. But over there, it's like bumps after bumps, barriers after barriers. And it gets to the point that you are in a little cage. Mm. You want to fly, but your limit is the walls of your cage. Yeah. Like you try to expand, but how much can you really? Yeah. So how did you decide in spite of that to go into a sort of art realm? Maybe I think that it was just the fact that maybe it was easier to find a job for a graphic designer rather than a painter, you know? Yeah. As a painter, the opportunities were like vastly limited. But for graphic designer, like you could do more. And I think that like even the schools were like pushing us that even if you want to go into art, don't just go follow painting or like sculpting or fine art or whatever. Just go for something that you can pay the bills, get a job. It's like more technical, yeah. you know, so you yeah, learn yeah. a skill and then you can use it. Yeah. Maybe they feel like you're going to be wasted if you just follow art. Yeah. And as I was kind of looking up your history, you know, I saw that. So in 2012, you you said you moved to the U.S. Actually, we uh, left Iran in 2009. Okay. And we went to Turkey. I'm wondering if you could talk a little bit about maybe what prompted you to move in 2009. And also maybe talk a little bit about the sort of history that led to certain things recently so that, you know, listeners as myself can get a little clearer picture of what you experienced. Wow. The answer is... They're complicated? Very long and complicated. So I'm going to try my best, but if I kind of like exit the road, just push me back in the road. In 2009, my husband and I uh, left the country and he was following my parents leaving the country like nine months, almost nine months earlier. Mm -hmm. So I have had a different life in terms of, you know, you know, as my own life before I get married, like my life was different because of my father's um, interest and career choice. So he was always interested in finding the truth through different philosophies, especially like Eastern philosophies. And he got into yoga, Hinduism, Buddhism, and he did like Mm. a lot of research about it. He started writing Mm -hmm. books about it. He Mm -hmm. like traveled to India several times, I don't know, maybe 10 times in order to like pursue and experience things like firsthand and all of our life was kind of like woven around that center, that, that like, Mm. you know, core foundation. And he was a professor. So not, not at university or anything, but he knew Mm -hmm. not, if not more as much as a professor, because he was kind of like a self-taught, Okay. but it didn't mean that he wasn't a real like affiliated with a college or anything. Yeah. So our whole life was kind of like forming and continuing around this uh, matter. And then this was something that government in Iran would not approve at all. Mm. And the reasons are that 
anything out of their Islam is against them. Mm-hmm. And anything against them is the enemy. And it should be destroyed or at least before so it cannot threaten their existence. So a couple of times, maybe a few times, more than a couple, my parents got in trouble because of their lifestyle and their beliefs and their choices, which in a healthy society, a human being, it's a right. You should be able to choose your path, but not there. So they got in trouble. And uh, because of that, our life got affected. So that was my life. And then when I met my husband, we were kind of like, you know, we were both in art and we were both kind of like one of those people that would rebel against mm-hmm. the limitations the that the government would impose or force uh, on the society. And we were, we were teachers. We were professors at the university at the time. Oh, okay. Okay. We were trying to teach our students to have an open mind, experience more than what they just see in front of them, try to learn more, yeah. try to do their own research, think for themselves, mm-hmm. and not just accept whatever they're given. So we, we also had the center that we started together, and it was called the Paper Wings. And over there, we were teaching uh, art theory and practical classes. And this is what year this is? Uh, this is um, 2005, 2006. And at this, this point, you just clarify, at this point, you finished your MFA in graphic illustration and you also decided at this point to switch over to being full-time artist or you're like still working mm-hmm. in a graphic design and doing art on the side. So I joined the graduate program over there in uh, year 2000, if I'm not mistaken, Mm -hmm. because they have a different calendar. So I'm trying to uh, convert in my head. Sure, sure. So if it's not like exactly accurate, that's no worries. But I think it was 2000 that I joined the graduate program there and I was uh, becoming a full time artist. And by the second year, I started teaching art, but it was in different centers. And we joined a few like uh, local colleges as a professor, but our center started its uh, activity, if I'm not mistaken, in 2003. Okay. And it was going on until 2009, where we left it. I see. Okay. Yeah. So in those years, we were having the center and we had like younger people coming to us and we had classes and basically it was like our whole life, like our whole life Mm. was like either doing art, making art or teaching art. Um, and then, and also at this point, your your parents had already left or they were thinking about it? They were not thinking about it. They were still there. So besides them, once in a while, like getting in trouble with the government, we started having trouble at our work. And also we figured that um, private entities affiliated to like government security agencies were kind of like following us to the place that we had our house and our private classes and it was kind of like becoming like a tighter circle around us right that's crazy kind of like feeling not safe anymore so what really happened that kind of like pushed us all out of iran was the unrests that happened around presidential election Mm. I think if I'm not mistaken, it was like it started like in 2008 and it just continued in 2009. And there were like a lot of protests and there were a lot Mm -hmm. of like 
arrests happening and there were a lot of like sad events that resulted in a lot of younger people disappearing, getting imprisoned for basically no reasons or, you know, facing very harsh consequences just because they wanted to put an end to the craziness of how the government have suppressed the whole country all these years. So at that time, the government also kind of like tried to fight back and they started like going after anybody that they thought can fire up this whole events and kind of like push people into like thinking more freely or like encourage them to continue the protests. And among all those people were my father and from a different direction because of our classes, there was us. So I'm not going to get into all of those details of like how we found out and how they like yeah, yeah. had to leave the country because that's just going to be another like yeah, two, three yeah. hours of interview. So they they decided to leave in like maybe less than two weeks. Okay, wow. And they left. They didn't even have any plans. They just left for the first country that would let them in without requiring a visa in advance, which was Turkey. Mm. And they had some friends over there. The friends took them in. And then we were there. We were not planning to leave. We were just there trying to take care of things while they were gone because they just left everything. And I was like taking care of everything because I'm the only child. So a lot of things like fell on my shoulders. And then nine months later, it came to the point that like we were gradually getting in trouble and it came to the point that we were like, okay, it's not safe for us. We got to leave. And we also had like this decision to leave made in like less than two weeks, maybe 10 days. And then we left. So you also went to Turkey. Yes. And like first we didn't know, but later like we gathered some information of, okay, so what's next? Because we couldn't stay there forever. Mm-hmm. So what are we going to do? We cannot go back. We cannot stay here forever. Yeah. And then we were directed to United Nations and mm. they were like helping a lot of people at a time to find a third safe destination, but the process was very long and you had to prove that you were in danger Mm-hmm. like life-threatening danger back in your country so they will let you like pass that transit to the next phase and go to this third country mm-hmm. so that is also another long story because it was kind of like a, if i just want to give you like a few short words it's being in a limbo because you do not have any answers there's nobody that you can talk to it's just like right. a website that gets updated once a month and no one wants to solve it right yeah and then you keep looking at that website until you get the update that okay you've been approved yeah but there are like interviews in the meantime they're like back and forth it's it's not an easy process yeah we were not in a camp or anything but we were sent to a city that we were not allowed to leave and we had to go to the police station to sign our name, show our faces, so they make sure that uh, we're still in the city. Yeah. And that situation lasted for almost three years. Three years, wow. And then I think in the last nine months of that three years, we had some answers that, okay, so we we, we are accepted and they're going to send us to a place that we know a few people or we have family, which was United States. And then you wait until they tell you, okay, when you can fly out. And then 
again, you leave everything and you fly with two suitcases and that's your whole life. Mm. And you come to the third place, which is going to be your new home and you start over. That was 2012. Almost. So you've been here almost 11 years, right? Yes. Yeah. I'm, I can't even mentally imagine myself in that sort of mindset being in limbo for three years. I, I know you ended up getting a master's in UNLV. So how did you end up there? So when we got here, you know, we had, we already had like three years of doing nothing. So we were like very, very eager to make up for that lost, you know, years and lost time. And we were trying to like do as much as we can, like do as much as humanly possible for us mm -hmm. to make sure that like we find the art community, we start creating again, we like yeah. connect, we start showing. And then it took us a while to prepare to join another program. But at the time I was uh, already teaching art at UNLV. I think I started teaching art in 2013, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, okay. That's um, quite fast. One year after arriving. Yes. Yes. And you moved to Las Vegas because you already had families here? No, I had family members in California, but I had friends in Las Vegas and okay. I heard that California would be like very expensive and maybe overwhelming for a newcomer, but Las Vegas okay. was more affordable and they said that it has more opportunities. So we're like, okay, we're going to Las Vegas. Okay. So we came and we stayed. Yeah, you're still here. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so what was that like, that process of finding an art community in Las Vegas? So I remember that in the first uh, few months, we did not have a car and we arrived in July. So I remember that my husband and I would like pack backpacks with uh, snacks and water and would just oh start walking or taking the bus, like going uh, from That's brutal. like Googling, Googling the galleries and going from one to another, trying to see like who's doing what and what's going yeah. on in the city. And yeah. it was a different actually base for the art back then mm -hmm. uh so the first places that we got to like when you when you google art in las vegas like there was like arts factory that popped the first thing okay um, all right so we went there we visited some galleries we talked to the local artists and like here and there talking to people we got a show at a gallery that no longer exists but back then it was very active it was called the blackbird studios Okay. And uh, we got a show over there and uh, the person that ran the gallery actually was really helpful. Her name was Gina and she tried to connect us with more people. So the more time passed, the more people we knew. And then okay. from that show, we had some interviews that got published in a few newspapers like Review Journal. And there was another one that no longer works but uh, i don't remember what was the name but um yeah. i gotta go back to my records and we also had radio interviews so through there the art department chair heard us and she found us and that's how like i got classes to teach that soon i see like I we, see. we went to I that see. show and then we had interviews she heard us she talked to us and felt like yeah maybe maybe we can do a good job teaching other people and I was already like very excited about it because I was already like in love with teaching. Yeah. So yeah, that, that, that's how it happened. 
Yeah. There, yeah, I mean, I, I do find teaching to be very, a lot of times, fulfilling activity in terms of mm-hmm. part of it is like, I think, learning from people who are, you know, much younger and with a different mindset. And also, a love is also for me, and I'm sure it's similar for you, is being able to verbalize, you know, these thoughts and having to explain them. And in the act of explaining, you are, in a sense, explaining for yourself and learning something in that process, which I always found exactly. um, really important. You grow with your students. Yeah. A part of you grows because of them, and I have always loved that. Yeah. What were you showing in 2012, that, that show that kind of got you that job? Because um, I know, as you say, you started out kind of doing paintings and graphic design, and I know your later works, You, um, especially during your master's, you transitioned more into doing these sort of immersive installations and you did some videos dealing with a uh, sense of place. So I'm curious, uh, what were you doing in 2012? So the work that I produced in the years before I moved to U.S. and then in the first years of being here is very different, was very different uh, from my recent years and what I create right now. And, you know, the process was like, I was always like in love with painting. I mean, that was mm-hmm. like my number one love in the forms of art. And you have one of the paintings and behind you, right? I do. <laughs> and so I was like mostly like following concepts and I was like, the, the medium, the form of art was like painting and traditional art, but in a concept matter, I was following the emotional journey that a woman kind of goes through, especially in countries like Iran, in which they are like even more limited comparing to masculine society and different from men, even in their family. So I was like really interested into portraying that mental and emotional aspects. And that is why like my traditional work pretty much, if I'm not mistaken, always shows women. Mm-hmm. I don't ever think that I have portrayed a man in my paintings. Yeah. I mean, I might feel differently <laughs> now, but you don't you don't, back you don't then have it was, to. <laughs> uh, back then it was like my mind obsession that I had to Put this in my art. I had to show this through my art that, mm. hey, this is the world. This is the emotional world for women. Mm. And mm-hmm. make the audience ask, why? Why is this emotional state for women in a country like Iran? Mm-hmm. What's going on in there? What's happening mm-hmm. to women? And I wanted to be a voice. And for many years, I did follow that concept, which I'm still in love with. Because I think that for me, gender was a part of identity. And I think that the reason why I kind of like focused on it more was that I thought that women were given less voice in general, and especially in a country like Iran. So I wanted to make up for that, you know, loss or make up for that limitation for women. So I was doing traditional art until maybe like a few years before I joined the program. And that was where the time that I was still creating in the same sense, but I was asking more questions that, hey, is this the only thing that I want to do? Do I want to try other things? Or I was like curious and interested in other forms of art, but I didn't like 
have courage to like really yeah, do it and see what comes out of it. Yeah, yeah, it's it's hard. Right, but when I joined the program, so it was a very positive, good push because they want to make you kind of like break your own like frame, break your own like uh, framework and become something new. And that was the time that I gave myself permission to start like working with mm. uh, different mediums. And yeah, to be honest, something in my head also changed because of the life experiences that I had throughout all those years. Mm-hmm. And I think that what I experienced, like leaving my own country, staying like in a transition phase in Turkey for three years, and then finally coming to U.S. and trying to found my final home here. I think it all kind of like formed something in me that I felt a different way of connection to land. Mm-hmm. And I felt different way of connection to environment around me. The things that were similar and the things that were different mm-hmm. and the things that I was experiencing as a new thing and the things that I was no longer able to experience. I don't know if that makes sense, but it was kind of like, like you have a memory in your head of something that you have had one day and now you don't have it. It's a memory that lives within you, never goes away, but then you have something else and then the new thing kind of like gets woven into the past and creates something new. So I feel like the concept layer of my work changed from there. Mm -hmm. And I feel like all the things that I have experienced, I was like a tumbleweed that like wind was taking me and I was not allowed to root in the ground. Mm -hmm. So when I got here, the first years are survival mode. So All those years that I had, like, back in Iran, like, struggling in a battle with your environment is kind of like swimming against the flow of the water. And then in Turkey, you don't know how long you're going to be there, where you're going to end up. And then when you come here, you're just trying to, like, build up something new from below zero. So it's like all survival mode. Yeah, yeah. So all that were the years that I was trying to just survive. Yeah. And I did not think about spreading my roots. But now I feel like there has been like a few years, especially like after maybe second or third year that I joined the program, even in the last years, maybe, I felt the need to ground myself. And throughout that process, I feel like I needed to kind of like sharpen my senses towards a different direction to see my surroundings, to see the environment, mm-hmm. to rediscover the sky. It's a, it's a very, you know, strange feeling. Like the sky is maybe similar everywhere you go, but it's kind of like you're rediscovering because you were too busy to just look up. I don't know about Tehran, but I always felt Vegas, you know, especially has like really vast open skies. It does. It does. Like, I mean, the sky in the East Coast, you're surrounded by mountains, and I feel like the viewable sky is much less. Mm-hmm. And then it's gray, like mm-hmm. two thirds of exactly. the year. So you, you do kind of ignore it. But when you're in the, you know, starting going to the West Coast and all the, the uh, flat plains and the deserts, it's, it's, it's like half, it's half the view, right? <laughs> You're, you're describing the exact change that I went through because, yeah, I mean, because of air pollution, 
there's a lot of grayness back in Toronto and there are a lot of like uh, mm. skyscrapers and very tall apartment complexes and you know so so you know you don't see this vastness openness of the sky yeah so yeah I mean that change of scenery and kind of like trying to see everything with a fresh eye I think kind of like reflected in my work and I'm really enjoying the experience that I'm having with having me as a human being like connected to environment and nature and it doesn't even have to be like a big forest or like you live next to a waterfall and then you feel like oh I'm feeling the nature no I mean (laughs) even like looking at the weed like growing in hot desert yeah it is like a reminder of resilience and it teaches you a lot of things that you only learn if you're present in that moment, observing and taking that in. So I think that whole change that came to my work was a change that I lived in my life and it reflected in my work. What was, do you remember, like what was the piece that, is there a piece that exemplifies that shift? Like, I mean, I'm just thinking in terms of myself, like I did do a switch from painting to like making a sculpture that like I felt was one step in the direction of sort of abandoning sculpture. And then eventually I did another switch into like video. And I remember like distinctly, there was like a piece that I felt like I broke a boundary. I'm curious for you, like what was the piece that maybe exemplified this shift in terms of how you experience the world, but also material shift in terms of, as you're talking about doing these sort of paintings and then letting yourself kind of expand in terms of medium. I'm thinking about the answer to that question because I think that the change was very gradual that I find it hard to put my finger on just one work. Mm -hmm. Um, But I want to say... Maybe the works that I started uh, creating in my studio that involved nature, natural elements in my work, which I recreated in my thesis show, I think they were the major, like, Mm. pieces that I can say, like, yeah, yeah. Because from that point, I think I continued on the same path instead of, like, jumping around and trying to experience different things. Again, back to what reflects in my work uh, based on my life, I have to refer back to an event that happened to me in 2017, which was an accident, a car accident that affected my health uh, majorly. And because of that, like the recovery process was very long and hard and I had to go through like several surgeries and I had to take a lot of time off from work and school and stay in the home. And I was going through a lot of like anxiety and I was very isolated at that time. And I was always like into plants because I just liked them. And my grandmothers both had a green thumb. But when I had to spend that time in the house, like dealing with my anxiety, trying to find a solution, I found that that uh, plants bring me a lot of like peace and joy. Mm. And then when I was creating that piece that we're talking about, so the piece is like a box that you can step in. 
It's a vertical okay. box that you can step in uh -huh. and it has one side open. It has one opening only and it has room for just one person, maybe just like uh, look around, maybe take one step to the sides and not any bigger than that. Sort of like claustrophobic space. A little, yes. Like, like a caps capsule, you know? Yeah. So it was uh, from top to bottom, it was covered with plants, live plants. Okay. Mm -hmm. And I had a grow light in the top and I had the ground covered by mulch. So when you would step on it, you would feel the difference of like stepping from Cement. concrete ground yeah. on the cushiness of that mulch, like a, you know, mm -hmm. forest ground. Yeah. And then you would be like surrounded, cocooned in that, mm -hmm. you know, plant box. And I had a pink noise um played so it was kind of like a noise canceling effect so you would be kind of like disconnected from the world behind you mm. and step in kind of like a transcendent experience of being surrounded by only plants and that was kind of like how maybe i felt throughout that experience but it kind of like reflected in my work and then i recreated that work I refined and recreated that piece in my thesis show, uh, which mm. was in the second, it, it was placed in the second uh, floor of uh, Don and Beam Gallery. And I really feel connected to that piece still to this date. That is one of my favorite pieces. Yeah. So then after, after your master's, I guess I'm curious, how did your work change? Because I always think of these master's programs as like, this sort of wave that pushes you out, right? And the, the, the effects and influences of your learning experiences, you know, as the waves, they kind of decrease and decrease, but they're continually forever kind of pushing you. So I'm curious, like, how did your work kind of shift after this entire intense art learning experience? So I think that it did not, like, change in the way that I can say like it shifted totally in a different way. I think that it just became more personal and it became mm. more emotional for me because, you know, when you're creating in a time in a very like short time frame for a class or for a show or for whatever reason, it becomes like a different animal. I feel. Yeah. You don't uh, have time to the think time really. that. Yeah. Comparing to the time that you're just like, scratching your head and it's like oh i want to create such a piece yeah yeah you know so it became like more i think personal and um i know that i just wanted to follow the same way of creating work about like a connection between human and nature and the environment and the land in general and i just maybe maybe that was one of the changes also that i kind of like eliminated some forms and i stayed more loyal to the forms of art that would interest me more which among those i can say like video art with a touch of performance and also installation art became the main focus i mean if i ever feel like there is a piece that requires me to do something different or pick a different medium for the sake of that art, if the delivery is like important in that form, yeah, I, I would pick up that different form. I'm not like yeah. limiting myself to these forms only, but these are the things that I'm more passionate about. Maybe I feel more 
comfortable. I just roll downhill in these forms, I guess. Yeah, I think I think that intensity of of learning from you know a lot of these other people and classes uh, within this sort of school environment helped make me feel also comfortable about that rolling down as you're describing. That's that's sort of. I mean, I, obviously, you can do it outside the confines of academia. I like to think that, at least for me, helped helped me kind of maybe roll down faster. Do you do you still paint? Have you left behind painting? I once in a while crave so badly, but I haven't <laughs> had the chance to do it. Yeah, and I say the chance. The reason why is not like that. I don't have the material or I don't have the time. It's like I feel like. If I ever paint again, it's going to be different. Yeah. And that type of painting and that painter Nanda hasn't formed, is not ready to be born yet. Okay. This is the best way to describe it. So maybe, maybe I go back to it, like just painting for myself. It's going to be a new thing. Yeah. And it, it is not ready to be born yet, but it may come. So... Um, yeah, I, I feel like I keep oscillating back and forth between that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm curious, what, what are some of the works that you've been working on lately that, you know, that process of making, I guess, in terms of your artwork? In the recent months, uh, maybe in the past year, I've been really working on mental health and how in general our thoughts and emotions affect our not only day-to-day life, but also like the bigger perspective of years to come in our life. And I think that art is not separate from that. So I think that for now, I mean, I have created pieces here and there still in the same concept of like environment and connection between human and nature. But I think it's just like becoming more and more personal as I'm studying my own emotions. Mm. I think that like all of us have a period of time that we stop, we pause. Mm. And then we ask ourselves, do I really know myself? And it came for me in these years. Like I have lived with myself for 40 years. During during COVID? No, it was afterwards. Like I have lived with myself for 40 years. And then um, now, like I I have to have it figured out by now. But I pause and I ask, is this real me? Like, is this how I am? Is this how I really feel? And then you start like relearning about yourself. And... You study like studying your own thoughts and emotions. You study, you you process them and you look back to your life and see like how different events have caused the things that you're going through right now. And now from uh, now what? You know, and I think that that whole process that you're going through as a person is part of the growth that reflects in the work. Yeah. So I'm in the process of brewing that idea yeah and it will take i'm like taking notes i'm doing little sketches do you have diary Um, i do i do yeah i journal and i have several notebooks for several different reasons (laughs) yeah several different yeah 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 um and i think that there will be the time that it will feel a whole body of work it's not just one Mm. piece i feel like there is like it's coming that 
it's going to be like giving birth to a full body of work. Yeah. I feel like that's a good place to end. I'm not sure if there's anything else that you would like to talk about. I just appreciate to have this opportunity. And sorry, when I get started talking about my art, I become a little self-centered. So <laughs> um, I talk nonstop. I think artists, you know, are, I think it's always a good opportunity to be able to kind of get these thoughts out. And, you know, just like teaching, right, this, this sort of act of telling and explaining your thought process is, is another mm-hmm. form of learning. I really do believe that. Yes. Yes, I agree with you. So I really appreciate this opportunity. You know, one of my favorite things to read is like artist interviews, right? I mean, I think a lot of them can be really tedious and boring as the artists are just like, sometimes I feel like when I'm doing these interviews, you know, as like, you know, you're talking about your plants and there's nothing, some people be like, oh, it's nothing to do with art. But at the same time, I feel like it is so interesting because it is also like connected in some way. Right. I think all it these is. different things that we do, they influence the act of creation. And, you know, that's why Absolutely. it's so, so hard to explain like, oh, where'd you get this idea? Because these ideas are like this sort of stream that is constantly entering and leaving and changing. Exactly. You know, I feel like uh, being an artist is not just having an art job. For some people it might be. And there's nothing wrong with that. But for me, in person, like, personally, this is, like, life. Being an artist is a path that I'm going through. This is my life. Mm-hmm. And as I evolved, as a per- as I evolve and continue evolving as a person in life, art is a life thing as well. It's not dead. It's not something that we ch- just try to, like, put in mold and create off of like 4,000 times. It's alive. It evolves with you. So I think everything is connected. Yeah, I agree. So as we're winding down, uh, any last thoughts? I'm good. (laughs) You're good? All right. Thank you so much. You made it so easy to talk and not be nervous. Thank you. Really? Okay, I'm glad. (laughs) Yeah, you're easy to talk to. All right. Have a good night. Thank you. Bye. Bye. Seeing Color is recorded, edited, and produced by myself, Ziyuan Chang. Original music by Alex Chow. You can find more information on the website, www.seeingcolorpod.com, or on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook under the handle Seeing Color Pod. If you enjoy this show and have the time, I'd appreciate it if you could go to Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen and give Seeing Color a five-star review. This really helps others discover the show and gives greater visibility for everyone on Seeing Color. Again, thank you so much for listening and goodbye for now.